everyone. We're really lucky to have an incredible guest today, somebody a little out of the ordinary in animal welfare. She began her um, advocacy work actually in the Peace Corps. She spent a year in Slovakia. Then she went to law school and she has spent the last 17 years working on animal welfare legislation, primarily on the state level. She spent two years with Fund for Animals, but the last 15 years she's been working at the Humane Society of the United States, coordinating state and federal priorities. And we're really happy to welcome today, Andy Burnett. Thank you for being with us. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you for having me. Doing, doing good considering the circumstances, but um, we're, we're making it through. So are you, you're, you're obviously working from home. Are, do you have a family at home with you? I do. I have my two sons who are 11 and 13, and they are actually loving this because they don't have to get up in the morning and don't have to go to school. Um, I have my two uh, rescue dogs here with me that um, I'm so grateful I have them because it's, they've really provided a lot of comfort and, um, and love for, for our family during this time. So, um, so now you're home and, you, and I'm obviously you're needing to do homeschooling, which is, yes. which is what all the parents are doing now. And at the same time, you are working with HSUS and the state director, and you have the very big task of working with the Humane Society of the United States on, on local and federal policy during a global pandemic. Yes, yeah, so we are fortunate at the Humane Society of the United States to have um, over 40 state directors who, are, who work in their state capitals and have a lot of experience on policy issues um, in addition to shelter issues. And because we've already formed a lot of these relationships with um, the executive level and the legislative level in their states and even at the local and county level, they were really able to pivot quickly and reach out to the right people and get the ear of the right people to make sure that when states started to close down and we started to get some shelter in place orders uh, to make sure that uh, shelter staff was considered essential, that veterinarians were considered essential and that um, the care of um, companion animals and um, animals who are in captivity were included um, as essential services to be sure that no animals suffered during this. Andy, I, I was a state director um, in North Carolina for five and a half years. And, you know, I remember what that job was like with, you know, you have to be a generalist on just about every topic there is on animal welfare. What's it like for state directors right now? Like, what is their daily life like? Well, I think they're doing, um, they're doing a lot of work with their community, um, working with of the other departments at the Humane Society of the United States to make sure that people who are in need of pet food um, and other supplies to keep their animals healthy are, um, are able to get that. Um, we do a lot of coordination, which I'm sure you've spoken about before with um, other groups. They are working um, with a lot of their state agencies and also at the local level, um, again, to be sure that uh, certain services are essential. Um, they're working with our volunteers, they're working with shelters in their state. Um, and we are actually still doing some of our policy work that's not COVID related. Some state legislatures are still in session and a lot of it might be virtual. Um, and we are having a lot of, we're seeing a lot of counties that are still passing ordinances and policy issues that um, believe it or not, are not related to 
coronavirus that we've been working on for a while. So we are still, it's at a much smaller level, but we are still kind of plugging along with our work, our pre-coronavirus work. Wow, so state directors are dealing with this whole new set of policies that involve animals in disaster. And at the same time, some of them are still working on just their regular day-to-day -day work. How fast out of the gate was the Humane Society of the United States when these stay-at-home orders started, when we started looking at what was essential and what was non-essential, how did that work? Well, again, because our state directors have been in the state capitals and have been already working with agencies and governors, um, counties on other issues, and a lot of them in previous disasters, and none to this um, extent, but um, you know, you, you probably had this experience too in North Carolina with weather-related disasters where we're already we already have these relationships formed. Um, and so it was very easy for them to pivot and know the right people to reach out to and the right people knew them and recognize their credibility of their work in the state. And we really did, had a lot of success in, um, in, in, in getting governors and, and state governments to um, keep these services essential. I think that a lot of the lessons we've learned from pure previous disasters like Katrina um, were that it is imperative that we all include our pets, our companion animals in any disaster planning uh, for, for this current disaster win, for future disasters that we're in. Um, it just is not gonna work and it's not gonna work for people, it's not gonna work for animals unless they are included in all of the planning. Sure, I mean, they're part of our families. Right. What are the state directors feeling like some of the things that they're seeing are going to come from COVID-19 on the horizon for legislation. Is there, are there any things that have stood out to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 the biggest thing that stood out is um, the, the wildlife trade, um, because this originated from um, a wildlife trade, the wildlife trade in China, but we have a thriving domestic wildlife trade here that is just as much um, a risky industry for human health. And so, and it's something that uh, we have been working on for years um, at the Humane Society of the United States and our Humane Society International and Humane Society Legislative Fund partners have also been working on. And I think now we have a lot more credibility. I think people are going to really listen a lot closer to what we're saying, what we have been saying um, on the risk of uh, the captive wildlife markets and the captive wildlife trade, which includes pets and um, circuses and zoos and just sort of this irresponsible relationship we're having with wildlife. Um, and how it is now not just an animal cruelty issue, it's also a human safety, a human health issue. That's the first, that's probably the most, um, most prevalent thing. The other thing we're seeing a lot more now with some of the high infection rates in slaughterhouses is this, um, uh, really, it's really, spot, it's really spotlighting how the current industrial agriculture, animal agriculture system is just not efficient, it's not effective, it's not safe, it's not healthy, it's, really creating a lot of problems and there are a lot of sound um, alternatives, obviously to what we have uh, currently in place in the United States. Um, and I guess we'll see what the future holds in terms of these facilities remaining open with such rampant um, infection rates. But again, a policy that, that our organization has worked on for years is to re really rethink and change that um, uh, high level, high scale industrial animal agriculture um, system that we have here and get it to something more sustainable that's more humane and now obviously safer and healthier. 
And then probably the last area we're, we're seeing is, again, which is a, a theme that we've seen and we've worked on for years that I talked about earlier, is the need to include companion animals and, and all animals, quite frankly, in our disaster planning um, and our, um, and our future work and making sure that we have sound uh, systems in place to protect all animals. Um, and that would include, I think, a lot of work where we're seeing um, a lot of underserved communities are even, um, are even suffering more um, as a result of COVID. And those communities have pets, they have families that, um, that, need, that need protection. And I think we're, we're really going to see uh, even more of a need for some of the low income services we can provide for companion animals in terms of vet care, in terms of feeding and housing and other needs. Um, you know, so there are some programs in place pre-COVID, but right now during this crisis, we're really seeing a need for it. And I think we're gonna really see a need for it post once we sort of get back to normal because I would imagine that um, the economic circumstances for a lot of people are gonna really struggle for, for a few years to come until we can get really back to normal. Recently, um, Tyson Foods has come out and, and gave a warning that our food system is, is floundering. Um, we have already been paying billions of dollars in tax dollars to these large scale commercial farmers or factory farms um, for bailout money when they are already producing too many animals for, for, the, for the demand. So it was already faltering. What does HSUS have to say about that? And, and where do you see where do you see this all going? This is a really scary time. They're talking about the possibility of us being out of food, but at the same time, sustainable farmers are selling out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, another wake-up call and hopefully a very loud wake-up call to a lot of people. That, again, what our, our industrial agriculture system that is in place now in the United States is not going to work. It is it has failed on so many levels at a lot of different times on, on, the, animal, on the animal cruelty side, um, on the human health, the animal health, the environmental, um, and now obviously the, the infectious disease side. And there really needs to be a massive overhaul of our uh, animal agriculture process that, that the Humane Society of the United States has been advocating um, along the lines of our policy work on the confinement of animals and the, the speed at which um, the animals are processed through slaughterhouses, which is why one of the reasons why you're seeing these cramped conditions where this infectious disease has really, really gone rampant is because they're working in small, um, they're working in small, fast-paced environments that um, we have tried to work uh, through litigation and through legislation and continue to work with um, to try and change that to be more um, to be safer, to be more humane, um, and obviously now to be uh, more protective of, of our entire our entire globe, quite frankly, because, um, it, and this is not the first time we've seen um, a public health disaster as a result of industrial animal agriculture. So, Humane Society of the United States works to protect all animals from, the, from, from cruelty um, and neglect, and we, in our short interview that we've just had, have talked about everything from veterinary care for the underserved community and ensuring that, that we're able to do that. We've talked about factory farms. We've talked about disaster response. Catherine, 
Do you have any more questions for Andy? We heard a rumor that you have a miracle dog. Do she's right here. We'd like to meet her, don't you think, Kim? I think so. <gasps> this is Julia. Oh my goodness, look at her. She is, um, <laughs> she's a rescue from, from Tennessee. Um, I don't know a lot of her history, but I've, she's been with me for about six years. But she, um, she's had a few medical um, emergencies. She was hit by a car and she survived, but she has a little bit of paralysis, so she's incontinence. She has a diaper. Um, and she had a few altercations with, um, ooh, are you tired? Um, a few altercations with some larger dogs. So, um, my, my emergency vet here loves me, but, um, I do have pet health insurance, which I highly recommend for anyone. Um, and she, I'm so glad I have her, you know, during the shelter in place because it's so great to have like a warm, fluffy, loving dog there with you all the time. So she's been loving it. Julia has been loving the, uh, this crisis that we're in how people would shelter in place without a pet. I, they're oh. such a huge part of my day and they bring me so much comfort. Yeah. Well, we have certainly enjoyed our experience with you here today, Andy, and just want to say thank you for all the amazing work that you've done on behalf of animals and that we know you will continue to do into the future. And we would love to get some updates from you moving sure. forward. And if that would also include Julia, that would be great. Of course, so, she loved it. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time thank today. You. Thanks. Bye, Andy.